Well, good morning. It is such an honor and a privilege to have this precious opportunity to share with you from God's Word today. Um, as a student at Kingswood, you're like um, sitting in a pew as a student, as a student, dreaming of one day, this, this, this could be me. And uh, I am just blown away and, and thankful for the opportunity. Um, I want to start off to say my time here at Kingswood was amazing. God used this place to radically change my life. And I am who I am today because of the investment of staff and faculty that are here today. Um, and uh, I, I remember as a student here, I took six Bransom classes, so I know some of you finished uh, your inductive, uh, you got your grade back yesterday. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I'm, I'm, in total of my four years, I've done six Branscombe inductives, and I live to tell the tale. And uh, no, m those classes with Branscombe were absolutely incredible and have formed a lot of my preaching and teaching. Um, I was involved with the Praxis program here, helped with Mike, and we went on some crazy journeys all over the world, literally. And uh, I graduated from the Bachelor of Theology program. And so... Uh, yeah, and now I'm here. It's, it's crazy. Um, I was talking with Nathan last night, and it kind of blows me away, and I might get emotional. I'll probably be emotional through the whole talk tonight. But it's amazing to think where God has taken me, because I was just this little boy in a small town in Nova Scotia. This nobody from a small town from nowhere, kind of like Nazareth. But Jesus came into my life when I was nothing. And he changed everything. And he made me, he's the reason I am who I am today. I am nothing. I am nothing except for him. And it's crazy to think that I have this awesome opportunity to share with you the very word of God today. Okay, I'm going to stop crying. Okay. All right. So we're in this season of Advent. We're waiting. How many of you guys are waiting for Christmas break? Yeah. Yeah. So... We all, have, we all love Christmas, and we all have these awesome Christmas memories. Uh, some of you guys have some great Christmas memories. One of my favorite Christmas memories just happened a few years ago, actually. I was at my home. I have a really, really big family. I have 58 first cousins. My mom's actually watching today. Everyone want to wave to my mom? Yeah. Hi. And uh, we have a really, really big family. And there was this time a couple years ago, um, I was underneath the tree digging out presents. And my brother was right beside me, brother Austin. And we always, when we were kids, got in trouble together. And uh, uh, I was digging out the presents from underneath the tree. And the Christmas tree actually fell on my brother. Okay? And it was awesome. Okay? It was so awesome. It was my favorite. It's been my favorite Christmas memory. Um, <laughs> So, um, have you ever gotten Christmas present and you're like, you're unsure what it is, you unwrap it and you're like surprised, you're like, oh, I'm so excited and you don't know what it is? Or maybe, uh, maybe as a kid, I know some of, you, some of you guys, maybe some of your girls too, you got a racetrack or a train set for Christmas. How many of you guys are one of those people? Racetrack, yeah, yeah. And so, you can't really play with it until you put it all together and your dad usually spends about three or four hours trying to put this thing together so you can play with it and we get bored. Or how many of you guys have ever seen a baby open a present? What is the thing that they play with? The paper. They've got this present, but they play with the paper. They just don't know any better. They just like the paper. Today I'd like to talk about the greatest gift, the greatest Christmas present any of us can receive ever. And this gift is the precious gift of salvation. That's what I want to talk about today, salvation. I would say that most of us in this room have made a decision to accept Jesus Christ to come into our life. But what I want to argue today is that maybe some of us in this room haven't really put the pieces together of the train set of salvation. 
that many of us in this room today have unwrapped the gift of salvation and have experienced Jesus in our lives, but we haven't really seen how amazing and incredible (laughs) this gift of salvation really is. You see, because if we unwrap this gift of salvation and really see what the gospel has made available for us, it changes everything. It changes everything. It it allows our lives to be totally transformed. It allows us to become new people. It allows us to be brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, out of darkness into his marvelous light, that we have a new heart, a new hope, new purpose in life. You see, if we really get the, the gift of salvation, if we really get the gospel, then our lives will be different. We will worship differently. We will witness differently. Our lives will be given over to the agenda of God because we want to serve God in light of his love for us and we'll give ourselves over to his priorities, to his agenda, to allow his kingdom to come in and through our lives so our lives radiate the glory of God. But what I want to say is this. Is that your story? Is your life radiating the glory of God? And if it's not then don't feel condemned. But use that as an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show you that there's so much more. You see, I think in so many believers' lives, they just scratch the surface of what this gospel, what this gift of salvation is really all about. And if we really get the gift of salvation, it will change everything. It will change everything. You see, the greatest way you and I can experience the love of Jesus is by really coming to an understanding of what Jesus accomplished for us at the cross and resurrection, by understanding this gift of salvation. That's how we experience the love of Christ. That's how we experience what he's done for us. So some of you guys, I I love sharing the gospel with people that don't know Jesus. I love seeing people come to know Jesus for the very first time. Um, I was at Moncton Wesleyan on Wednesday, and there was two kids that accepted Christ. And I get so pumped about that. And that's, that's part of, yeah, that's part of what I live for. But I want to be clear here today that this may sound like I'm presenting the gospel to someone that's, that's unreached. But I just want to say that the message I'm sharing today about salvation is for, is for believers. It's for Christians. And it's because... The gospel should still... Next thing I want to say is I want to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit before we get into the Word. The Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit's here. Amen? Amen. You believe that? The Holy Spirit's here. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into all truth. He wants to show us the truth of the gospel. You see, the Holy Spirit takes the words that are written in the pages of Scripture and makes that real and alive in our lives. And it helps us to experience the reality of the truth of Scripture. And the Holy Spirit wants to take this amazing gift called salvation that's wrapped up. And he wants to tear the wrapping paper off and show us, this is what Christ has accomplished for you. This is the depth of God's love for you. God has made a way for you to be forgiven and restored and healed and made new. The Holy Spirit wants to shout from the mountaintops, this is what Christ has accomplished for you. Do you see it? And the Holy Spirit is here in this moment, in this precious time that we have, to show us the reality of what Christ has accomplished for you and for me. Amen? I'm getting excited here. Warning you. 
So I'm gonna pray, and I want you to pray. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit in this moment that we have today, personally, say, God, show me what you've done for me. Show me what this gift of salvation is all about. Will you join me in pray? Father, we need your presence. We are desperate for your spirit. Would you come visit us, Lord, in a way you never have before? Would your spirit come in power and revelation and show us the reality of your truth? That Jesus, you really did come, that you really have saved us, and that you have done so much that we haven't even scratched the surface of. Would you give us a glimpse deeper into who you are, Lord, and what you've accomplished for us? Open our eyes to the reality of who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So where is the best place to look to find the truth about what Christ has done for us? Well, the best place, one of the best places I find in Scripture is Ephesians chapter 1. If you guys want to turn with your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians is my absolute favorite book in all the Bible, and you're going to find out why in about five minutes, okay? You're going to find out why in about five minutes. Um, so I just want to give you guys a warning. If I get like a little excited or like jumping up and down or saying hallelujah, it's perfectly normal, as most of you know. So I just want to give you that warning. If I get a little excited, it's okay. It just, it happens, okay? It's what happens when I talk about Jesus. Um, so... Um, Paul here is writing to the saints that are in Ephesus. And Ephesus is one of the five major leading cities at the Roman Empire at the time. It was a port city. It was a happening spot. Okay? And the people that were in the city of Ephesus that, that were becoming Christians were actually Jews and Gentiles. Now the Gentiles were some different dudes. Let's just put it that way. These Gentiles were people that were being saved out of animism. Okay, they worshipped animals and animal spirits, okay? They worshipped the goddess of Diana, and they were into magical practices, okay? So they were in some wicked, wicked, wicked stuff before they came to know Christ. And Paul here is writing to them, wanting them to see that the power of Christ so far surpasses any power that they have played with. And Paul here is writing this letter to them to show them the truth of what Christ has accomplished for them. It says in Acts 19 that the saints that were in Ephesus, it says in the, in the New Living Translation that they had several million dollars worth of magical practice books. That's pretty obsessive. And God was rescuing these people that were so wicked and so evil and bringing them out of darkness and into the light. These are the people that Paul's writing to. And it starts off in chapter 1, verse 3. And I'm just going to work through this passage like really, really fast. And it says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, verse 3, in the heavenly places. It's really cool how Paul starts off this passage in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And for any of you guys that have studied Greek, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 14 is all one sentence. It just reads all in one. And so what I believe Paul's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Then he takes the next number of verses to unpack what those spiritual blessings actually are. In verse 4, it says that we become blameless because of Christ. It says that in, in verse 5, it says God has adopted us. That we've been redeemed in verse 7. God has purchased us. That we have been forgiven through the blood of his son. That we have a hope in Christ. You see, this story we read in Scripture is more than just a fairy tale. It's more than just a nice story. It's more than just a model for us to try and strive to live. 
The message we see in scripture is the power of salvation. It is the thing that rescues us, that brings us out of darkness into the light. In this story about this man, Jesus, who was a perfect man, who was God, who lived an amazing life, who cast out demons, who healed blind eyes, who raised people from the dead, that same Jesus took my sin and your sin and he nailed it to the cross and he conquered the power of sin and he rose again from the dead. That story is more than just a nice story. That message is the power of salvation and if we put our hope in that message, our lives can be transformed in a moment that we can be forgiven for the things that we've done and we can be adopted by God and made new. That's the hope you and I have. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. It's a reason for us to get excited. Amen, bro. Yeah. So God has given us this hope, and we see in verse 14 how God has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth, to be our helper, to be our comfort, so that we're never alone, that God would dwell in us. But wait, I haven't even got to the end of the chapter yet. Like, man, this is amazing stuff. Then Paul prays. He prays. He's like, I can just see him spelling off all these things. Like, I, I just got to pray for these guys. I'm just getting so overwhelmed by what God is doing in, this, in their lives and God's plan. And he prays in verse 17 that they would come to know Jesus. They would know him intimately. They would look into the heart of God and be in relationship with him. And verse 2, uh, or, or verse, verse 19 says that they would know the inheritance. You see, this amazing gift of salvation that, that, that I'm trying to unwrap here, like, we have an incredible inheritance in Christ. And I believe many of us have become or are blind to the reality of who we are in light of Jesus and what Christ has actually given to us. And he wants us to see this amazing inheritance. And then it talks about God's power. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I start thinking about God's power at work in my life, I get a little bit excited. Okay, because the reality is this according to this verse, that the same power that was at work in Christ when he was raised from the dead is at work in our lives. Like, I don't know how you like process that, but it's like amazing, okay? Like, God's power is at work in our lives. Like, can I get an amen? amen. Like, this is good news, right? That's why they call it the good news. And that's just chapter one. Chapter two starts unpacking how we were once dead in sin, Doomed forever because of our many transgressions. That we followed the spirit of Satan, the spirit of disobedience. That we all live contrary to God. We say, God, I don't want to live your way. I don't want to do things your way. But God was rich in mercy. You see, in Hebrews 10, it talks about us, us deserving a fearful judgment. That's what you and I deserve. But God said, no, I want to have mercy. I want to reach out to them. And God showed us his mercy. He had mercy on us. And he forgave us. And he seated us with Christ. And he wants to use us as his example to the universe and saying, look what I have done. He wants to point to us as examples of his incredible kindness to the universe and say, this is what I can do in humanity. I can take a broken, dysfunctional, messed up, sinful, rebellious people and I can lavish my love on them and look what my love can do. Look what my love can do to humanity. It changes everything. And then Paul comes to chapter three, my favorite chapter in all of scripture. And he talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. You see, the reason why I know that we haven't got to the depth of what Christ has done for us is because they're unsearchable. And God wants us to begin to dig deep into what Christ has accomplished for us. And then chapter three, I can just picture Paul now. 
He's, read cha- he's written chapter one and chapter two, and he gets into chapter three, and he's like, man, like, God is amazing. He's done all these incredible things. Like, he's adopted people. He's forgiven them. He wants to make them holy. He's given them this incredible inheritance. His powers at work in their life. His riches are unsearchable. And what happens, I believe what happened to Paul in, in chapter 3, verse 14, is he was so overcome of the reality of what Christ has done and his plan. He says, I fall to my knees. I am overwhelmed by what Christ has accomplished. And I pray to the Father of whom the whole, the whole family on heaven and earth derives its name. He is overwhelmed at this point of the reality of the gospel, the reality of this gift of salvation. And he prays that God, he prays that God, they would experience God's power at work in their life. And he prays that they might know the height and width and depth and breadth of the love of God. And that they would experience the love of Christ. Not up here in your head knowledge, but right here. That you would have an authentic experience with the love of Jesus. It's not something that's up here, but something you, you have a living encounter with the living God where he shows you his heart. And he pours his love into you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's at that moment when you have an authentic experience with the love of Christ. I believe it's in that moment that you become filled, according to this scripture, with all the fullness of God. Can you guys say that? All the fullness of God? We become filled with all the fullness of God. And my second favorite verse in all of scripture, now Paul's unpacked these first three chapters and it leads up to this climax. And the book actually hinges on this, on this very verse. Builds up to this climax of what Christ has done for us, what Christ has done for us, what Christ, this amazing gift of salvation. Now it says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. You see, God does all that so he can accomplish his mission, the missio day, so he can accomplish his mission in and through our lives and blow us away with what he can do. Does anyone know why the book of Ephesians is my favorite book now? Okay, yeah, just checking. It's okay, you can laugh, it's okay. So I wanna unwrap this gift of salvation a little bit more. I want us to get a revelation of this gift of salvation. So what, ha- what is this gift of salvation all about? What's the essence of this gift of salvation? Well, foundationally, it's a relationship with the creator of the universe. That because of what Jesus has accomplished, we get to have a relationship with God. There's good news versus bad news here. You see, what we deserve is to be separated from God forever. And until we come to the reality of what, how ugly our sin is and what we really deserve because of our sin, the good news won't, won't be fully good news until we realize that we're in sin. And some of us that grew up in a Christian home maybe or Christian atmosphere that maybe don't, you don't have a story like mine or, or someone else, sometimes it's hard for us to come to that realization by the Holy Spirit that we do have sin. But the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into the truth that we need Jesus. Every one of us that are in this room have a need for Jesus. Whether we've grown up in church or whether we have an awful background and struggle like mine, God wants to lead us to the truth that we need Jesus, that we've all sinned and what we really deserve because of our rebellion against God, because we said, God, I don't want to do things your way. I want to do things my way. I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to follow your instructions. I want to do things my way. Because we've had that attitude, we are all guilty before God, and we all deserve to be separated from God forever and experience his judgment in a place called hell. That's what you and I all deserve if we got what's coming to us. But God was rich in mercy. I wanna show you this crazy story from when I was in China with Mike. There was this guy 
that um, we had an incredible time going to China a few years ago, and we had a chance to lead several people to Jesus in China. And uh, um, there was this one, this is one night where we were doing a rally, and all these university students showed up, and uh, we, were, we were sharing the gospel with them. We were just really open, and the guy from the cafe said, you just let it rip kind of thing. And so we're like, okay. And if you guys know about China, you guys know what I'm talking about. So... Um, so we were there that night, and the, then these three people responded that wanted to accept Christ. So we had this, like, back room that was really, really small. It was, like, smaller than that corner of the chapel, like half of it maybe even. And it was a small little room, and these three people come back to accept Christ. And next thing you know, the police have shown up. Good times, right? Not so much. So the police show up, and we're like, what do we do, Lord? What do we do? This is crazy. And our interpreter somehow... As I'm, I'm like literally sitting down with these three people ready to lead them to Christ and a police officer walks in, okay? That is not kosher in China, okay? So, so I'm here leading these three people to Jesus. This policeman walks in. The interpreter, for some reason, talks to him for a while and he leaves. And right after he left, we led those three people to Jesus. And what gets crazy about this story is this guy, we named him the Chinese Jason. And Mike, I think Mike or someone gave him that name. And, and he accepted Christ. And he went home that night. These three believers, one of them went home that night. We gave him a gospel of John. They read the whole gospel of John. This Jason guy read to John chapter 8. And he came back the next afternoon for two hours of discipleship. We discipled these guys the next afternoon. He came back and he's like, he read to John chapter 8. And he came back to us and we didn't tell him a thing about being born again. And he came back to us and said, I've been born again. And I'm like, yeah, you have. <laughs> like, this is awesome. <laughs> and what blows me away is this. It's like, Jason here has accepted Christ. Like, he, like, it's one of my best conversion stories of someone that, like, was obstinate and, like, hard to argue against. But when the Spirit came in, the lights came on, he saw the reality of the kingdom, and he was a new person. And he is there as we're discipling him. And what blows me away is this. He's been a Christian for less than 24 hours. And he is trying to convince his friend <laughs> to accept Jesus. And this is what he said to him, and this blows me away. He said, to the, he said to her this. He said, I'm afraid if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to be separated in darkness forever. And I was like, wow. And the reality is this, guys. is like, that's what we deserve. But God chooses to rescue us from wrath. He chooses to rescue us from the consequences that you and I deserve. And the good news won't be fully good news until we come to the reality of what you and I really deserve. God wants to bring, rescue us from wrath, and he wants to forgive us for the things that we've done wrong. He wants to bring us into right relationship with him. I do a rap, and I'm not gonna do it today. Don't worry. But I say, um, we can be forgiven for the things we've done. If we would turn from all this evil, we witness God transforming people. Oh, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of this world, this poisonous curse. You see, Jesus has come to take away that sin, to take away that issue in our life, to take away the hostility between us and God so we could be forgiven for the things that we've done. That God can give us a pure heart and make us new. That we can be blameless before God. So when God looks at us, he has pleasure in us. He's not angry at us anymore. That we are justified before God. We stand before God with no sin because of Jesus. This is good news. And we, not only that, we can come boldly into the very presence of Almighty God through the precious blood of Jesus because the blood of Jesus has washed away every one of our sins. Amen? 
He has cleansed us and made us new. And we have this amazing, unfathomable, incredible relationship with God. We can come to God and give him every concern, every worry, every care. And not only does he listen, not only is he always, always listening, but he's there to counsel us, to encourage us, to correct us, to discipline us, because he loves us and he's not giving up on us. That's the kind of relationship that we have. We receive this amazing forgiveness from God and are rescued from wrath. The chorus sings, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. I think about probably the biggest mentor I've ever had in my life is Nathan Maskery's dad, Cal Maskery. And I think about his story and the impact he's had on my life. And for some of you that don't know, if you get a chance when Cal's here on a Monday or a Thursday to hear his story, it's incredible. Sit him down and ask him, should you just share your story with me? And his story is incredible. It talks, his lifestyle, he lived a lifestyle of crime. He followed after his father's footsteps and lived a lifestyle of crime and ended up doing a, a sentence in prison for, for some bad things. And, and he just really struggled with sin and guilt. And he was in solitary confinement. He was in the hole in Dorchester Prison. And he was in the, one of the darkest moments of his life and had struggled so much with guilt and shame for the decisions that he made. And Billy Graham was on the TV and something inside of him said, just listen to what the man has to say. And he listened and he heard about a God that loved him, that wanted to forgive him for everything he's ever done wrong. And that if he authentically put his faith in Jesus, that he would be changed. He knelt down by his bed and he prayed to accept Jesus. And God forgave him. No matter what he had done, God had forgiven him. No matter what you've done, God forgives you. So don't hold on to your stuff from the past that you feel condemned about day in and day out. And it was amazing the transformation that happened in Cal's life. And then 10 years ago, Cal came into my life. And he started sharing with me the truth and the transformation that Jesus had brought in his life. And I had all kinds of struggles. For any of you that know my testimony, I come from a background of drugs and alcohol. And I crossed lines in relationship that I never should have crossed. And I treated my parents in ways I never should have treated them. And I would steal from my house to get money for drugs. I did all kinds of horrible decisions. And I hurt a lot of people. But when Cal shared me the good news, I was so stricken with shame and guilt. I felt so defeated inside. I felt so insecure. I felt so self-conscious. I was so dysfunctional because of sin. But when Cal shared with me the good news about Jesus, when I came to realize that Jesus actually took all of my sin, my sin, he took my sin on the cross. He nailed it there so he could forgive me, so I could be released from the penalty that I deserve, that I could be forgiven. And not only could I be forgiven, but God could come in by his precious blood and wipe my heart clean, that I could be given a new heart. You see, God brings us into this relationship with him. And it's through Cal, through Cal's testimony, because he realized he was forgiven for everything. And do we realize that we've been forgiven? Do we really, really realize that we've been forgiven for the things that we've done? That no matter what we've done, if we've confessed our sin to God, that he's forgiven us. That he has made us into new people. Do we get really how amazing grace is? We sing the song, Amazing Grace. But is it really amazing to us? Like, does the grace of Jesus actually, like, go like, dude, okay, like, this is incredible. <laughs> do, like, do we have those moments where we're just like, wow, God, I just can't believe your love. If we don't have those moments, God so desperately wants us to. He wants his spirit 
to come into our lives and show us the reality, okay, of the love of Jesus so that we stand back when we worship in chapel and we're like, we can't even talk because we're so overcome by the glory and grace of God. And that's just the beginning. Forgiveness is just the entryway. It's just to get us in. It gets so much better from there. Are you guys excited? Okay, good. The Bible talks next here in Ephesians chapter, uh, verse five, it says God actually adopts us. He adopts us. It says in John chapter one, verse 12, to those that believe him, to those that receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. God adopts us into his family. And I want to tell you something, Kingswood. God longs, God longs to show you and reveal his heart to you. He wants to take the veil away from his heart and he wants to show you his heart. And God wants us to have a correct image of him as a father. He wants us to know him as a father. He wants to love you the same way he loved Jesus. And I, can't, I just can't fathom the way that the father loved Jesus. I can't even, when I start to think about the love the father had for Jesus, I just get like, man, he loved him so much. And to think for a minute that God loves us with the same love that he loved Jesus. That's incredible. That's a crazy kind of love. That God adopts us into his family and gives us this intimate relationship with our father so we can know him personally. So we get this amazing relationship with God, that God removes the barriers and brings us into a relationship with him. But it gets so much better. And this is where I feel like, this is where I feel like a lot of believers maybe don't get to experience or, or are unaware of the reality of the life of the Holy Spirit. You see, the first thing that, 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 that this gift of salvation gives us, it gives us this amazing relationship with God. But the second thing that this gives us, it gives us the reality of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. You see, forgiveness is just an entryway into the life of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to live inside of us. God wants to transform us. He wants to take our dead heart and bring it back to life. Jesus was raised from the dead in his power. His life is at work in us to bring our hearts that were dead back to life. We were dead and Christ has brought us back to life. Come on, can I get an amen? Like that is good news. I was dead, you were dead, but Christ has brought you back to life. That the life of God, the resurrection power of Jesus is at work in you, in you, in you. Like that is amazing. It's more than just a story. It's more than just something nice to say. That should be something we experience in our day, day in and day out, because the resurrection power of God is at work in our lives, giving us the ability to live our life fully for God. Amen. Amen. And God wants to give us the ability so we don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. Whether we come from a Reformed background or a Wesleyan background, the reality is this. The Holy Spirit gives us power so we can live our lives for God. That's the truth. So we don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. That God gives us the freedom to live a life in peace with him where we can actually have the confidence and we don't have to feel condemned all the time. We can actually have the confidence to say, God, I'm pleasing to you. Like that is an amazing truth that will change your life. To come to the reality and say, God, you're pleased with me. And to know that the Father is smiling and rejoicing over you and he is taking delight in you is incredible. And it fills you with the peace of God knowing that I'm secure in who I am. It's incredible, the reality of the Spirit. 
Now we talk about this verse in Ephesians. I'm gonna wrap up here. We talk about this verse in Ephesians chapter three. And we talk about, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. And a lot of us like quote that verse and we'll stop there. And I'm thinking, you're missing out on the best part of the verse. Like, you're missing out on the real good news. Like, it's good that God is able to blow our minds what he can do, but we already knew that. Hopefully. But the reality and truth of what this scripture says to us, if we'll get this in our hearts, it will change the way we live the rest of our lives. And it should be, it should be the lens by which we look at the world. It should be the thing that, that governs our whole lifestyle. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in you, Kingswood. You see, the reality of the life of the Spirit is this is that God has given you his spirit so he can accomplish his agenda, his priorities, his heart, his mission through your life. And he is able to absolutely blow you away, okay, with what he wants to do in it your life. And this is the truth. Some of you are gonna experience God's power at work in your life to transform the churches you're in, the mission fields you're in, the Christian schools you're in, and you're gonna experience God's power have such an impact on the people you minister to, it's gonna blow you away. But we cap God and we think God can only do this much and God wants to blow that ceiling away so we realize, no God, you're able to do so far beyond whatever you can think or imagine through me. It's crazy, but it's truth. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come. And I just wanna say this. God wants to work supernaturally through us. Not in a flaky way, but God wants to work supernaturally beyond ourselves. I was at Beulah this summer and heard Dr. Joanne Lyons say this, that in the Wesleyan church, we've become so afraid of the miraculous because of misuse of spiritual gifts that we've almost gone like this. But Dr. Joanne Lyon encouraged us to pray for healing in the miraculous. If God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine, according to his power work within us, like, we need to, like, we need to, like, not let our mental... Um, pictures and, and what we conceive about God hinder us from what God wants to do in and through our lives. God wants to blow us away with what he wants to do in and through you. This, my friends, is just scratching the surface of this incredible gift of salvation. And you see, when we start to understand the gift of salvation, it changes everything. When we witness to people, it won't be hard. When we worship, it will flow out of us like a river because we really understand how amazing the grace of God is. Father, thank you so much for revealing to us the truth of what you've done. Lord, I pray that you continue to open our eyes, God, to the reality of this amazing gift called salvation. In Jesus' name.